Well, it's time for Movies and Television with the longest-serving member of the Right Hook, Mr. Philip Malloy. Just, just very quickly, yeah. um, you've been around since the opening days of the Right Hook 13 mm. years ago. Yeah. It, we've seen a lot of films under the bridge. Oh, no, and a hell of a lot of films. The one, the main sort of change from my point of view is... I, I thought that you could actually do it on the phone at that stage. And I was still working in the Irish Independent anyway on the news desk. So to some extent, I had to do it on the phone. But the dire- the uh, producer, uh, Mark Simpson, convinced me that it was much better actually to be coming into the studio. And it does. I mean, yeah. it works better between you and I, obviously, doesn't it? Sure. And, so and, that, uh, that, that, that's the main change. <laughs> all right. OK. Now, you have only one movie to talk about, have you? No, no, no. I mean, there's there's several others there. But uh, the... the this this movie is called Forty Five Years, and I I was hugely impressed by it. Um, it's um, it's it stars Charlotte Rampling and Tom Courtney, two actors who've been around since the sixties, been around for a long time. A Courtney, very long. Time. Yeah, Courtney, you remember uh, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, uh, King and Country, uh, those kind of movies at that stage in the early sixties. Of course, he was in Billy Liar. Billy Liar was the movie that he broke through in. First of all, the stage production, then in the film, uh, John Schlesinger's film. I liked him in a movie with Sophia Loren, uh, George Papard. Yes. Uh, it was about uh, yes. spies in right. Germany. Yeah. And they Operation, gave, what was it called? Operation something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Sophia Loren, one of them uh, had the identity card of Sophia Loren's husband. So yeah. she arrived looking for him. Yeah. yeah and he was wonderful in that. Anyway, uh, this is yeah. called 45 Years and they play the, the, they play Kate and Jeff. He, uh, she's a retired school teacher and he's a, re, a retired trade union official. They're living near the Norfolk Broads in England and planning their 45th wedding anniversary. Anniversary, uh, when we kind of meet them for the first time, the husband then receives a letter from Switzerland informing him that a melting glacier has exposed the preserved body of his former German gir- girlfriend, uh, who had fallen to her death in an accident nearly half a century before. Now that's 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 the basis of it, and to some extent that might make it even sound a bit sort of sci-fi-ish, but it's not. This kind of sends this situation sends the wife into an emotional tailspin, and at this stage of their lives uh, she suddenly seems to be heading in one direction and he's heading in another and he begins to search out uh, memorabilia that recalls his past uh, relationship with the dead girlfriend and she is uh, sort of uh, planning that's the wife is planning this part he had the two things as I say going in opposite directions he's he's looking for more information about the relationship with the girlfriend and she of course is planning the party that will celebrate their uh, their uh, their life together uh, it plays like a ghost story to some extent in which everything that this couple has achieved together has been chipped away at by a voice from the past. He begins to leave their bed at night and visit the attic where he views slides of the visit to Switzerland and his relationship with the girlfriend. And in one poignant mo- moment, George, lovely uh, she, that's the rampling character, she runs runs her hands along the edges of the attic door as if she's afraid of something seeping through. This is a wonderful movie. It's incredibly well done. And it's really about two characters trying to desperately to understand uh, what their lives should be. Uh, I, I, I think that he's really good but in particular she's she's the best thing, she, uh, thing about it and she's the best this is the best movie I've seen her do, doing in ages George it's called 45 um, uh, Years and it's out on Friday 
Now, I think she was in the movie with uh, Sean Connery, Zardos. Yes, she was. John and, Borman's film, made yes. here. And did Connery, you work on that? I did. Yeah. And Connery was 85 yesterday. Yes. I Did you see the documentary on him last night? No. On BBC4 last night, a really good documentary on him. They had a great range of film in it. And uh, um, everybody basically, most people have paid tribute to, I wanted to his background in Scotland, his working class background, how he started out as a, a delivering milk. And uh, then uh, he became, he was in the, in, in, the, in the army and then he became a bodybuilder. And while he was a bodybuilder, he got a role um, in the chorus of South Pacific, traveled around England in the chorus of South Pacific. And he was convinced at that stage to become an actor. So it was how he became an actor and eventually, of course, in '61, was it? He, he was discovered. Yeah, he for, for, he for he was a contestant in a bodybuilding contest. He Mr. was Universe. He was tired in Mr. Universe, so that wasn't bad, you know. <laughs> no, that was quite good because a lot of those Mr. Universe guys yeah. became Tarzans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your yeah, man yeah. Gordon Scott, Scott and, yeah, and yeah. all these guys yeah. uh, were former. No. Uh, Brosnan, Pierce Brosnan, mm. who uh, another band, yeah. not as good, but yeah. another band, is suggesting it's time for a black bond or a gay bond. I'm actually suggesting it's time for a cycling bond, <laughs> but I mean in the name. No, that's just going too far. It's going, it, it's, it's, this it's is just as yeah. a fellow once said. Yeah. Uh, political correctness gone, gone mad. mad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw the the black bond thing, and that might work. But uh, why? Well, well, if you okay, if you had a, a really strong sort of charismatic actor um, uh, uh, to do it, uh, he might he might sort of carry it off. But I don't think there's any necessity to bring color and race and that kind of thing into it. It's but, that, but it's uh, not that kind of character. Or no, that kind that's of right. But also, then, if you start to do that, yeah. you you actually break all connection with the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. Fleming described Bond uh, in a very precise kind kind of way yeah, about yeah. his colour of his hair and the kind of cheekbones he had and, the and all that, that he liked, uh, yeah. yeah and, and, and I, the, the, the thing from this documentary last night is uh, okay to some extent he, he could carry himself because he was a he had been a bodybuilder and because he was so well built and because he was really a gorgeous looking guy um, uh, he could carry the I uh, could wear the clothes he could carry the, the character very well and all of that and the kind of sardonic quality to the way he delivered his lines, all of that actually meant uh, that, that that he was it, that he was Bond, that he was the Bond that Fleming was talking about. Yes, you know? and also it's it's when, but then if you take Connery out of Bond, um, he he never felt he had to. Um, uh, do anything with a Scottish accent. Like no. he kind of played Russians oh, oh, with George, Scottish accents. George, George, that actually went through the whole thing last night. Did it? How he could do anything. He could play an Irishman in Davy O'Gill and the Little People. He could play, uh, uh, in Highlander, he was this, he was a Spaniard in Highlander, for God's sake. He was a Russian, as you say. All with a Scottish accent. All with a Scottish accent. He never had to change it because you believed him. He was an Irishman again, Malone the cop in yeah. The Untouchables. And, you know, you just, you believed him. And he was there. He commanded the screen. He commanded the part. Um, uh, he was. He was just wonderful. He was just he, incomparable. I think. I think he's, he's now. He's retired since about two thousand and three. 
Right, but your pal Clint Eastwood is about the same age and he's still working. Whereas, he's, he, yeah. he's, he's in his 84, 85. All right. And okay. Now, I want to ask yeah. you, um, you, you have news about a digital recreation. Oh, this, have you ever this? This is amazing. I thought, I thought this would appeal to you, I have to say. it's it's First of all, it's a story that was in the uh, the Daily Mail earlier in the week. And it's it it suggests that uh, horror legend, as we call him, Peter Cushing, he'll be digitally reconstructed for Rogue One. Rogue One, um, it's it's called Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And what they're doing with Star Wars, as you know, Disney owned the rights now to Star Wars. And from December, they'll have a new trilogy of Star Wars, and they'll alternate uh, year by year with individual stories about the kind of Star Wars universe. And uh, in this one, uh, okay, in the original Star Wars, um, the Grand Muff Tarkin, as he was called, he was played by Peter Cushing and he was the main villain and he was responsible for developing what was called the Death Star in the movie. So what they've done is the, 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 the Rogue One, this new one, focuses on um, a group of resistance fighters who attempt to steal the plans for the Death Star. So it's kind of credible, it's kind of... Um, yeah, yeah, credible that Tarkin would be brought back. And that's what they've done. They've decided to uh, digitally recreate Peter Cushing as the Grand Moff Tarkin. And one of the things, George, uh, about the original was all of the uh, officers uh, in, in it, all the gr- uh, galactic imperial officers in the, in the original Star Wars, they wore these, these big boots. And apparently the boots uh, were... were cutting Peter Cushing's feet up. They were pinching his feet all the time. So he asked George Lucas for permission to wear slippers. So he actually wore slippers. Uh, but And what they've had to do now is to go back through a lot of his movies to study uh, his gait. And they'll, they'll you bring that in whether into the kind of digitally recreated right. um, Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay. You do have a movie called Straight Outta Compton. Well, I, I I haven't seen it yet. It's it's a new uh, movie that's opened in the States. It's uh, been at number one for two weeks. It's taken $100 million and it's opening this week. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll see it on Friday and I'll review it on Friday All night. right. Very good. Now, Liv Ullman, yes. right? Yeah. I haven't seen her in movies or anything. What, what, what would I have seen her in? Such well, a, oh, I know. D- is she in Zulu? She's, uh, is she in Zulu? No, it might be no, Ole Jakobsen. Ole Jakobsen, yeah, you're mixing yeah. her up. She yeah. was her, she's most famous, I suppose, for her relationship with Ingmar Bergman, but yeah. you, you you said a couple of weeks ago his appeal, his movies didn't appeal to you at all. Did they appeal to you? No, Did not, they appeal well, not, to anybody? No, no, I mean, there, there are one or two that you could say that these are, are kind of genius movies, but they're, they're not movies that appeal to you on an emotional level or yeah. anything like that. Anyway, what we're talking about is Liv Ullman, and she, as I say, she was uh, Bergman's longtime partner and she hasn't directed a movie since a film called Faithless in 2000 and now she's done Miss Julie and uh, Julie is Miss Julie is a kind of is a, a Strindberg play and what this does is it transposes the story of the play from uh, from County Fermanagh uh, on Midsummer Nights uh, on Midsummer Night in 1890, and uh, so what we get there is this smart scheming ballot played by Colin Farrell at this big sort of Anglo-Irish house, and he finds himself caught between. No, his... did she's moved it to County Fermanagh? That's right. She? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. moved it to yeah. County and, and that's one of the things about it, which I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, she, uh, okay, so you get this ballot. He's at this big Anglo-Irish country house and he's caught between his employer's spoiled child played by 
Jessica Chastain um, and uh, it did, she has encouraged them to, to seduce her and then there's a cook in the house played by a very matronly she's overweight um, Samantha Morton uh, and he seems to be engaged to her now the story develops then throughout the evening and the night and beco- becoming a kind of survival of the fittest the struggle to see which of them uh, has, has been best equipped by their class to triumph over the other so that's what it's about now it's very very theatrical George it's kind of very slow moving uh, the dialogue and the placement of the actors I think is stilted and theatrical and one of the things about it okay it moves the action to Fermanagh in 1890 but it doesn't uh, make that context that's the context of 1890 Fermanagh it doesn't uh, use that to affect the narrative or the story or the characters was it filmed in Ireland? it was all right. Yeah, well, and what about Farrell? I mean, this is a big change well, for Farrell. Well, well one, sure. I, you know I'm a huge Farrell fan, and uh, I am. And uh, we'll see him in a film called The Lobster, which was actually made in this country later in the year, and it got rave reviews at the Cannes Film Festival in May. Uh, but he's, he, he, I, there's not there's not an awful lot I think he can do with this material and the way she's directed it. It's almost all totally set in one location, this house, moving from the kitchen to upstairs bedrooms and back again. You're out in the grounds a little at the beginning and at the end, but it's very, okay. very, it's, it's very, very limited. Apart so from it's that. quite claustrophobic yes, in that sense. Yeah, yeah but it all doesn't right. use the claustrophobia to create tension or anything like that. All right. Yeah. Now... Uh, Kirk Douglas. Yeah, this is a fascinating. Still alive, this, is he? This is an absolutely fascinating story, yeah. George. He's uh, he's he's ninety. He's ninety-eight. He's ninety-eight. He's ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. He's ninety-nine, I think, in December. But he would still have communication problems and everything because of the oh, no, stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although he recovered quite well. You remember him at yeah. the Oscars and everything. Yeah. He recovered quite well, but he's slurry, and uh, so you'd know he'd had a stroke. So uh, what he's done now is he's given away given away fifty million dollars um, of his fortune. He has a fortune apparently of about eighty million, and um, uh, so him and his wife Anne, his wife of sixty one years, they're giving away this money. Now I'll tell you some of the kind of causes. But just me. before yeah. you before yeah. you get along with this, yeah. Douglas was from a, a studio era primarily yeah. like hugely different from modern no, day actors no. who you were put, getting enormous money yeah, how put, did he get 80 you, you, million well you put your, your finger on it now um, one of the things that happened in the 50s is actors uh, started to break away from the studios and they started to set up their own production companies John Wayne had a company called Batjack yeah uh, Lancaster Norma uh, and uh, Bryna was Kirk Douglas's and oh, Kirk right. Douglas started to develop his own stuff and one of the things he, he refers in this interview that's in the Hollywood Reporter he refers to his wife as very smart and the wife actually invested the money he was making um, in in a trust uh, the, the, uh, the movies that did very well were Spartacus did really well financially uh, the Vikings did enormously well financially with Tony Curtis with Tony Curtis yeah so and Janet Lee and so, and, uh, so the, the wife his wife Anne was investing all this money so he says in this interview it's in the Hollywood Reporter that he asked his wife a couple of years ago how much are we worth <laughs> she said and she told him 80 million so they decided to give um, uh, to give some of it away he says my wife was very smart in the interview and 50 years ago uh, she set up a trust and it's been growing ever since so that's where they got the money now one of the okay the various things like uh, 
his alma mater is the St. Lawrence University, where, where they fund a scholarship for minority and underprivileged students. The West, uh, Westwood's Sinai Temple, which houses the Kirk and Anne Douglas Childhood Centre. Uh, Culver City's Kirk Douglas Theatre, which is a, was a dilapidated uh, a movie theatre, and they restored it as a, as a kind of live performance venue. Then there's Ch- uh, Children's uh, Hospital Las Vegas, or uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and one of the things as well that she did was as she set up 408 playgrounds in in L, in LA in the school district and the and then she set up as well the Anne Douglas Center for women uh, which is a homeless center center but there's all kinds of other things the main thing George is the motion picture and television fund no, uh, sorry. Yeah. Is this a bit like the Water Rats, where uh, yeah. the the old actors who've fallen upon hard times yeah. to look after or get ill or whatever? Yeah. Is they, it? Yeah, they look after, and uh, it's specialized. There's a specialized unit in it for people suffering from Alzheimer's and related forms of dementia, uh, for instance. And uh, the, over the years, they've been they've been giving them an awful lot of money. That's the one that uh, that that they're most sort of committed to. But it's just it's just an amazing story to. Find okay. I suppose after after his eighty million, he takes fifty million off, and he still has thirty million for him and the wife to do very well. As I said, and his uh, kids don't need the money, and they, and and Michael certainly does don't, don't doesn't need the money. Ma- Michael is incredibly well off as a producer and an actor, and uh, so they don't need the money. And uh, but it's interesting to see what an actor is actually doing now. Okay, I suppose there'll be Kirk Douglas monuments all over LA over in the coming years, and that maybe I remember interviewing him in his office in Rodeo Drive uh, in the eighties, and uh, he, he came across as an incredibly sort of arrogant and big-headed man. Uh, so. Uh, the, uh, okay, you've mentioned yeah. the movies that did really well with Kirk Douglas, mm. like Spartacus and the Vikings, and so on. He must—he had a few uh, uh, disasters along the way. Though, I know. He, yeah, he did. But he, I mean, he, he varied things. He did Paths of Glory. Remember, he was wonderful. I know, but there is good movies. Yeah, what yeah, about yeah. his bad ones? Well, well his bad ones. Um, let's see. What if you don't mention his bad, bad one, ones. I'll give out to you. Go, go on. Go ahead. Mention the bad ones. Well, he made a terrible movie based on fact about a fellow called Mickey Marcus who went back mm. to Israel right. at the, at the, the, the first yeah. battle with the Arabs in 47, 48. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a terrible movie. Yeah, he did In Harm's Way. Do you remember that? With uh, him and John Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was poor enough. That was uh, that was one And the one where they were in a kind of a, a an armoured truck, a kind of a... The, the war wagon. The war wagon. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there was a thing, there was a, 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 a kind of a, a view at that stage that anything that had Wayne in it uh, would do well. And that was one of the ones that didn't do well. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but he he he, had a he did fin- things like Gunfight at the OK Corral. He did he did uh, he did a long succession of movies. What with, about with the one where he was a journalist? It was black and white, and there was a cave fallen yeah. or miners yeah. trapped yeah. or something. Yeah, it was called. It had uh, uh, Ace in the Hole. It's, it's Ace in the Hole. That was a called. super movie. Uh, now. That, that is uh, that, that that's a, a classic. Now that's one that endures. That's one uh, that has a great great dialogue, and it was made uh, written and directed by Billy Wilder, by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah. But the other one. <laughs> when I think of Kirk Douglas, I always think of this movie because yeah. I was, I'd say I was quite young. I must look up when it was made. Mm. But I went to it because I thought it was a cowboy movie. And Douglas is on his horse and he's riding along the horse. He, 
movie. This is a classic cowboy moving opening. And then the next minute, he hits a six-lane highway. Oh, Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, actually, that's his favourite movie of the things that is he did. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, that Walter was... Walter Matthau plays a sheriff, a sheriff. chasing him. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he, he loves the horse yeah. and all that. Stuff. That he was did. another great he got, movie. He got it. He, got it. He, he, he started off actually playing quite diffident sort of characters. And then uh, he was under a contract to Hal Wallace. And then he did a member champion. Yeah. The, the boxing picture. He did yes. that. And he did one called The Detective in which he played a crook detective. And then he started to do the, actually to do the kind of dark roles that uh, that Michael kind of specialised in later on as well. Uh, so, he, But he's given away 50 million yeah, anyway. Out of 80 million, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, none of it coming our way, sadly. Now, you did get an email from Cork, from yes. Brian Tennant. Yeah. Now, now, he doesn't I, want you to start looking at all the predictable movies. No, no. Give me now, a few. We, yeah, we have, few. We, we have an awful lot there. So, um, and, you know, it's... Yeah. Well, hold on. Well, let me ask you. Yeah, you've got. Well, you, I just come out of. I just come out of Legend. By the way, I just come out of the. The Cray uh, Brothers. The Cray Brothers. Just, is it good? Uh, well, it's. It, See, I that's think it, a true story. Yeah, no, it is, and it it has uh, Tom Hardy playing both parts. Oh, he plays because the, they were twins. Yeah, he plays the psychopathic Ronnie. And then he plays the more suave, uh, uh, right. the more the more in control uh, Reggie as well, and uh, and it, it, it deals the whole the whole story with the, the war with the Richardson family in South London at the beginning. Then the Americans moving in. I won't say much more. The American, the mafia moving in. The mafia actually saw London as the Las Vegas of Europe, uh, and then the whole relationship between the two brothers, George, uh, right. and and and. And Ronnie had been in prison for three years and they moved Ronnie from prison to a psychiatric hospital and uh, they, they bribed the doctors to actually get him out at that stage. Uh, now, it's very, very well done. It's written and directed by a guy called Brian Helgeland, uh, who won an Oscar okay. for L.A. Confidential. And uh, as I said, it's set in London in, in, in that in that period and there's some very very colourful characters in it but the thing at the centre of it is this dual performance uh, by Tom Hardy All right. and he's wonderful you think there's a movie coming up that could save Johnny Depp's career uh, yeah yeah he plays white, a film called Black Mass in which he plays um, he plays Whitey Bulger uh, a huge cast in it very very good cast in it and it's about um you know Whitey Bulger, George. He was a criminal. Yeah, in Boston. Another uh, Bo criminal. Boston yeah. criminal. Um, the Jack uh, comes Nicholson, out in November. Yeah, the, yeah. The Jack Nicholson character in The Departed is supposed to be based on him, and uh, but anyway, all I've seen so far is the trailer, and the trailer, George, is scarifying. He comes across as a really sort of ruthless killer in the trailer. So if it if the movie lives up to the trailer, it'll be good. Now, the beginning of October, I'd like you to talk about uh, this. Uh, Tough, a crime picture. Is that good? Coming out at the beginning of October? Sicario. It's called Sicario. Sicario, and, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a tough crime picture from this director, a French-Canadian director called Denise Villeneuve. And it's about, uh, basically, it's about an um, uh, an FBI unit working along the border between the United States and Mexico. And uh, in particular, a young cop played by Emily Blunt, the, I gather the part was originally uh, written for uh, for a male uh, actor. Uh, I think that Tom Cruise might have been interested in it at one stage, but uh, they 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 reconstituted it anyway. Offered it to Emily Blunt, who I think is a wonderful actress, and we'll be seeing it as you say on the 9th of October. All right. Now, I, before you go, yeah. September thirty, two names which I immediately had me riveted: yeah. Ridley Scott and Matt Damon. 
Yeah. Well, the, the two of them together, uh, da Damon now uh, is, uh, I think he's had enormous, a very, very strong career um, so far, especially in the last 10 years. And uh, uh, so he's always, I think he's always worth watching. He works, does he work with uh, Ridley Scott for the first time? Uh, anyway, they're working together in a movie called The Martian, and the word on it uh, so far—it's about um, Martians. Well, I, uh, obviously, it's about <laughs> right. space. It's about space, but it's about this uh, astronaut who's stranded in space. Now, uh, there's there's more to it than that. Um, so we'll be looking out for that. The word okay. on it at the moment is it's very, very good. It's very positive. So, oh, uh, this is a remake of my favorite Martian, is it? <laughs> that was a, that was a sitcom. Right. You haven't bought the DVD, no. I haven't bought it. Right, listen, when DVD's is Justified coming out? Justified is out. You on the got 8th. it from America, yeah, but I want to buy it. It's out here on the 8th of October. 